Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I, producer Maria. Uh, Melissa, who are our patron? <laughs> we have Rigo. 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 Thank you for joining us. Wasn't there a, a movie about a lizard named Rigo? Rango. Uh, <laughs> fuck. All right, so it's not it's not the lizard from Rango, but Rigo, no. you are welcome to the party too. <laughs> Melissa. Yes. What is our episode on today? Well, today is a story that I, I've heard the name of the person the story's about many times, and I'm like, oh, it was the dumb bitch who did this. <laughs> yeah. But looking more into it, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Is she really a dumb bitch or is she treated unfairly? It's important to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. We're going to talk about Typhoid Mary. Finally, someone has to. I know, right? Someone's got to do it, and it's going to be me. It's going to be you. So here we go. <laughs> so with with COVID and the pandemic the past year and a half, all we've been hearing about is this dangerous illness and science and vaccines and blah, blah, blah. 
But this isn't the first time that a global health crisis has preoccupied the world. Mm. Remember the Spanish flu? You guys remember the Spanish like it, flu? Like it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. I remember it. It killed 50 million people. But before that was the story of Typhoid Mary, who spread the fatal bacterial infection of typhoid to over, it's debatable, some say 50, some say 400 people, while she was working as a cook in New York. Oh, God. So who is this dumb bitch, and why didn't she listen to doctors to prevent illnesses and death? Let's get into it. Uh-oh. I told you when you told me it was on Typhoid Mary, this season on American Horror Story, they had tuberculosis Karen. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Played by... Uh, Karen. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But yeah, let's get into uh, Typhoid. Okay, so this story starts in 1906. Mm, what a year. What a year. Great year for, you know. Typhoid. Typhoid. <laughs> so a rich family was vacationing in Oyster Bay, New York, which is on Long Island. I think mm. I've been there. I don't know. Sounds yeah. nice. So their daughter started to get really sick. She had a fever. And then their other daughter got sick. And then the mom and then three more people in the family got sick. It Ooh. turns out they'd come down with typhoid, which is a bacterial infection that affects your intestines. So some of the symptoms are like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, fever, chills, loss of appetite. Okay, so now I'm upset because I have a stomach you ache have right typhoid. now. You and have And <laughs> I think it's because I made banana ice cream and I accidentally put in cayenne pepper instead of cinnamon and I take a huge bite and it made me nauseous and feel sick. But now as a hypochondriac, I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, I have typhoid. How did so, you mistake cinnamon and cayenne? Was it just reading the label? You're like, oh, okay. No, I didn't read the label. They're just both brown. I have like a, a spice a spice wheel. And, and they're I next just, to each other. Well, cayenne's usually pretty red, isn't it? Like yeah. cayenne pepper is like bright red. Uh, okay. Well, just you can keep reading and hold on. I just feel the need for our patrons... <laughs> to get to the bottom of this, because I feel when like I think of cayenne, color. I think of a bright red bottle with like a red yeah. cap. But maybe you have a different. You're thinking of paprika. Hold on, mm, paprika <laughs> has a white top. <laughs> Do we have to all I'm go get our up. spices? She has cayenne pepper from like 1905. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just like generic <laughs> cayenne <laughs> pepper. <laughs> the cayenne pepper is bright red. It's bright red. Yeah, right? I just typed it in, and it's just like, it's like the reddest, like next to like Uh saffron. Here we go. Okay. Let's see. This is the cayenne pepper, and this is the cinnamon. Okay. They were next Uh, to That's crazy. That cayenne is so It's in a green, it has a clear bottle with a green top, and it it looks brown as hell. It looks just like the cinnamon. They're next to each other on the spice rack. So I go, a plop. And then I had already made the ice cream. I put this on as a topping and then I took a big bite and it was just, it was a mouth. I did the cinnamon challenge, but with cayenne pepper. That's, Anyways. That is, that is. That's pretty intense. Whoever made those spices, that's on them. Yeah, they're whack. Well, you're whack, McCormick Organic. Anyways, uh, Anyways, it's either that or typhoid. Okay, so continue. Okay. So 
Typhoid is often passed through contaminated food and drinking oh, water. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's more prevalent in places where hand washing is less frequent. Well, guilty Does this sound like your home, Ellie? Yeah, guilty as charged, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so historically, before the antibi- antibiotic era, <laughs> oh boy, before the antibiotic era, the fatality rate of typhoid was 10 to 20%. And today, with like the new treatment, it's less than 1%. That's good. So an estimated 11 to 20 million people get sick each year, and between 128 and 161,000 people die. Oh, God. And it's mostly in developing nations, uh, such as those found in parts of Asia and Africa. They have the highest rates of typhoid fever. And these areas also have a lack of access to clean water, proper sanitation, and proper healthcare facilities. So it's not in the U.S. It's not really it's not rarely a thing. And there are two vaccines to prevent typhoid and it can be treated with antibiotics, although resistance to antibiotics is making treatment a little harder. And UTIs. It's the new it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's becoming a problem. Yeah, it's becoming it really a problem. Is. It's it really the price is. we pay. Now people are there's UT uh, re- antibiotic resistant UTIs, everything. It's it's getting scary, guys. Our bodies scary. are are outsmarting us. Yeah. They Mine is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know my body's a lot smarter than what I'm trying to do to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's going no uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> so typhoid bacteria can be shred by chronic carriers who show no symptoms. And in some cases, even for decades. That's scary. That is crazy. So back to this rich family in Oyster Bay. So they couldn't figure out what had caused the typhoid. They called in this public health engineer named George Soper. Can I pause for a second? Yes. The idea of just being a a asymptomatic carrier is so scary. Because you can do that for so many things. Like... ST like chlamydia, HPV, like oh yeah, HPV, like, yeah, and like for <laughs> so men, <laughs> I'm surprisingly I don't have it yet, but like for men, men are asymptomatic when it comes to a lot of STDs, and if you don't get checked regularly, you're just like yeah. spreading it all around town. Like that's why you have to get checked for stuff. You can you be could have asymptomatic. herpes. Yes, asymptomatic. And not not have any symptoms of it. You can just be spreading it around. Spreading around town. That's why you got to get those blood tests. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, boy. It's wild to be human. (laughs) It's so gross. It's just wild out there. How shame on us. Like, here on me. How dare we? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, they called in this public health guy, George. He did a whole test on the house, tested the water and everything, and he couldn't find anything. So he started asking the family some questions and like does some research into other families who've had similar outbreaks. And in the year 1900 in Mamaroneck in New York, a family hired this woman named Mary as a cook. And within two weeks of her employment, the people in the house developed typhoid fever. And then in 1901, Mary moved to Manhattan were members of the family for whom she worked for developed fevers and diarrhea, and their laundress died. I'm sorry, this isn't funny, but can you imagine people just being like, guys, every time you hang out with Mary, do you get diarrhea after? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what was happening. That's what was happening. Like, guys, sorry, but Mary always gives me the worst diarrhea. I don't know, it must be in my head. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, she then, Mary went to go work for a lawyer and left after seven of the eight people in that household became ill. Oh my God. In 1904, she was hired by a wealthy lawyer, Henry Gilsey, and within a week, the laundress was infected with typhoid, and soon four of the seven servants were ill, and then she arrived to Oyster Bay, and all these cases, all these things had one thing in common. Mary Mallon was the cook. Holy shit. That's so sad. Like, she's just trying to, like, make meals for people and make people happy through food, and yeah. she's like... She doesn't know, or does she? She doesn't know. Uh-oh. Oh. You know who I'm imagining her as in my head? Who? Who? You know, when Billy, uh, uh, Billy Madison, uh, uh the cafeteria lady Lunch was like, "You lady. want another you want some more sloppy, sloppy Joe's? Joe's? Yeah, sloppy yeah. Joe's. Yeah, that's how, that's how I'm imagining typhoid Mary, <laughs> basically. <laughs> okay, so you're probably thinking, well, cooking the food kills the bacteria, right? Yes. Well, Mary's famous dish was peach melba, which is peaches, fresh peaches. And vanilla ice cream. Peaches are not cooked, so that would be the perfect vessel for transporting this bacteria. Oh, shit. Just shedding her oh, peaches. Yeah. And her peaches. Oh. Isn't that in Parasite, too? Aren't, isn't there that whole peaches thing in Parasite? Is that what they're... No, it's a pig. It's a pig. There's like a part with... Uh, <laughs> they're uh, saying so many P a... words. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part with peaches in Parasite. And pigs. And it's, it's not, not a, pig. a pig. It's a pig. It's the peaches in Parasite. So you're thinking, yes, there were peaches in Parasite. There were poisoning, pe- there were peaches were poisoning people in Parasite. <laughs> wow, that's so many P words. Say it. it really pe- is. Pe- peaches are poisoning peaches? people, Parasite. I don't remember that at yes, all. Yes, you'll never, this is a Vulture article, you'll never see peaches the same way af- again after Parasite. Peach scene was based on a real thing that happened to Bong Joon-ho's friend, the director. <gasps> oh my God. Oh. oh yes, 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 okay. yes, yes! With the with the maid, with the maid. Okay, now I remember. Peaches, watch out for him. Got it. Okay, so the sanitary engineer George was like, "I need to locate this cook and see what the hell's going on." He finds her. She's working for another family. Uh oh. That family's maid was recently in the hospital with typhoid fever, and their daughter is currently dying from it. <gasps> so George goes to this house and meets Mary. She's 36. She's an immigrant from Ireland. And he describes her by saying, Mary had a good figure and might have been called athletic had she not been a little too heavy. Mm. Cool, George. Yeah. She was 5'6 with blonde hair and blue eyes. Damn, okay, shorty. I know. And George says to her, hey, I think you're causing all these people to get sick and die, and I need some samples of your poop and blood. That's a direct quote, right? It's a direct quote. <laughs> hey, girl. Um, she's like, yeah, okay, you creep. Like, get out of here. No, there's no fucking way. I'm giving you samples of my poop and blood, you fucking weirdo. And she chases him out of the house with a fork. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Which, like, I don't blame her. If some guy came in and was like, you have this disease. And she's like, no, I don't. I feel fine. Get out of here. You know what I bet she said to him? What? Get the fork out of here. Oh. That's so fun. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and they laughed and they laughed. Yeah. They laughed. They're like, ha. Huh. That's funny, but get, get out of here. <laughs> so this Mary Mallon, 
She was born in Cookstown in Ireland, but she left in 1869 as a teenager to seek a new life in America. Mm. So by 1900, she was working as a cook in the houses of rich families in and around New York City. And between 1900 and 1907, she cooked in the homes of seven families. The last one was on Park Avenue, and in every single one of these families, someone got sick or died. Has she not caught on to this yet? Yeah, each time she moved on to the next family and she found work elsewhere. She'd be like, I'm out, bye. She had to have known. I mean, maybe she didn't because she had no symptoms. I don't know. I'd go to the doctor and be like, hey, there's this weird thing happening where everyone I'm around starts <laughs> yeah. dying. Like, is is everything okay? I don't know. It's weird. Well, I, I think know. it was my cooking. I definitely think it was my... I'd be like, okay, then yeah. I should stop cooking because something's going on something's with like the up. way I'm cooking for people. It's yeah. crazy. So her rich employers in places like Oyster Bay, Fifth Avenue, they were all shocked because typhoid was a fatal disease but it wasn't common amongst the rich and the clean it was like mainly found in unsanitary poor areas and also mary had no symptoms she was actually patient zero for asymptomatic carriers of typhoid so she was the first person who carried the disease but showed no symptoms but was still contagious so this was like typhoid was around but like if you had it you knew you had it but she didn't. And then there's this there's this picture from the olden days of Typhoid Mary, and it's her cooking, and it's instead of cracking eggs in the pan, she's throwing miniature skulls in the pan. It's cool artwork. It's a good one. Okay, so George then finds Mary again. She's working at another house. She's cooking, and he tells her that he believes that she's an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid, She doesn't believe him because at the time, that's not a thing. If you had typhoid, you were sick. So like, it's possible that she just like, was like, no, I don't believe you. And then he asks again for a sample of her poop. And again, she's like, get out of here, you creep. No. Oh, my God. So George contacts the health department and they send in a female doctor by the name of Josephine Baker to talk to Mary. Still doesn't work. Isn't Josephine Baker the name of a singer also? Josephine Baker. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, Josephine Baker, entertainer, French resistance agent, and civil rights activist. Hell wow. yeah. She was the first black woman to star in a major motion picture in the silent film Siren of the Tropics. Oh. So well, not Josephine Baker. Yeah, not that Josephine Baker. We're talking no. about a different <laughs> a Josephine Baker. Yeah. Uh, so then the doctor comes back with the police. And then Mary runs away and disappears. And they oh search God. the whole house and they couldn't find her. And when they're leaving, they see a spot or they spot a part of her skirt that's like hanging out from a closet door. <laughs> They open it and they're like, gotcha. Oh, (laughs) my God. Uh, (laughs) All right. But they grab her and Mary's like screaming and kicking and hitting them. They have to drag her out to the ambulance because she's like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. They take her to the hospital. They finally get a blood test from her. They test her feces. Turns out she is a carrier of typhoid. Damn. So they put her in quarantine on North Brother Island. I didn't know this was a place. It's in the East River, close to Rikers Island. 
It's like if you're looking at a map of New York, it's north of Queens, this little teeny, teeny island. Yeah, it's oh, uh, wow. Hulk, Hulk Hogan bought it. What? <laughs> oh, Allie. <laughs> Allie, you sick, sick son of a bitch. For half a second, I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I know, me too. Brother. Brother Island. Brother. Hey, brother. <laughs> uh, it's in the East River. Those are acres. So it's 22 acres. Currently, it's full of abandoned and overgrown crumbling structures. It's spooky as hell. If you look up pictures, wow. it is Yeah, creepy. looking at pictures, it's creepy yeah. as hell. But from the 1880s through 1943, New York City used North Brother Island to quarantine people with highly contagious diseases like smallpox and was eventually used to keep in isolation anyone suffering from a quarantinable disease, which like it may seem pretty intense by modern standards, but this was before the invention of antibiotics. So there was no way of containing these diseases. You just had to put the person on an island. They had no choice. Is this real? I googled um I googled North Brother Island and in the there's graffiti that says help me I'm being held here and stuff. I think that's like or like people like sneaking over there. Like taggers. Oh. Yeah. It's cre- it looks like it's kind of like Chernobyl. It's like abandoned, like overgrown. Yeah. It's pretty pretty crazy. So the Greater New York Charter gave state health authorities the power to order the sick into isolation on this island. They're like, yeah, use it, put people there. Also, uh, when I was reading about this island, this crazy thing happened in 1904. A steamship called the General Slocum burst into flames and sank in the East River. Only 320 people survived, and the bodies of 1,021 people washed ashore North Brother Island for days. Oh, God. And it's like a small island. It's like all these bodies washed ashore while people are being quarantined there. It's a nightmare. Jesus Christ. So after an unsuccessful run as a drug rehabilitation center for teens in the 1950s, the island was abandoned in 1963. So today, no one is permitted to visit the island without permission from New York City Department of Parks and Rec, which manages the site as a bird sanctuary. Oh. And the largest building on the island was the last one to be completed. It was the Tuberculosis Pavilion. It was 83,000 square feet, and it was designed to house people sick with tuberculosis. But then I think World War II, Two, one or two happened, and they ended up having to use the island to house, like, sick veterans and people. Crazy place. Yeah, Jesus. It kind of looks like uh, what the movie Shutter Island was based off of. Yeah. Scary. That's a good movie. Yeah. Now, let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus videos, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become a patron. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we will read your reviews on our mailbag episodes. And please continue to call our hotline. You know the number by now. But we'll insert the jingle here for fun. 626-604-6262. Continue to call and we will continue to play your voicemails. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Now, back to our program. On the other side of the island, where all these, there's all these hospitals and whatever, there's, a small, there's smaller wooden buildings that are completely overgrown, falling apart. One of them is Mary's Cottage. Where she was kept. It was a little studio house. It was one room, a bed, a kitchen, a sitting area. Her window looked directly into Manhattan. So it was like not a bad view. (laughs) But I guess if you're only staying there on vacation and not like forced to live there, it's (laughs) like, oh, this is kind of nice. So she was held essentially in solitary confinement. The whole time they had her there, they took poop samples three times a week. Sometimes she was negative and sometimes she was positive. Jeez. And to make things even more complicated, she was an intermittent carrier, which means she oh. always had the disease. Sometimes it was shedding and sometimes not. Fuck. So that was like complicated as hell. I'm amazed that they took fecal samples three times. Like she is very regular, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of potatoes and rice. Yeah. and. <laughs> The lack of dairy. (laughs) So she planned legal action and told her lawyer that it was unjust to treat her as an outcast when she had done nothing wrong. She said, it seems incredible that in a Christian community, a defenseless woman can be treated in this manner. Mm. And her case had been taken up by the newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst. Oh, so he wrote about it. The publicity he generated gave Mary enough money to hire a lawyer. Huh. But on the other hand, these reporters are the ones who coined the nickname Typhoid Mary, Aww. which stuck with her for the rest of her life. <laughs> that sucks. I know. What a bummer. Uh, after three years on the island, she was given freedom 
in return that she promised to never work as a cook again, like she signed an affidavit. She's like, I swear I'll never work as a cook again. They set her up with a job as a cleaning lady. So she wasn't cooking. She could work in people's houses and clean laundry. That was fine. And they kept track of her for a while. Eventually, they kind of stopped keeping track of her. They were like, yeah, she's probably just working as a cleaning lady, not causing any harm. Five years went by. And then there was a typhoid outbreak. They're like, oh, "Oh, shit. Here we go again. It was at a maternity hospital. Dr. Josephine Baker takes a little visit to the hospital, goes back into the kitchen. Who does she see? Why, it's Mary Mallon cooking up a storm. Mary, Mary, come on. So George, the public health engineer, did some research into where Mary's been. Turns out Mary's been around the past five years. She worked at two hotels, a restaurant, a sanatorium, and now this hospital, all as a cook. Uh, speaking of which, yes, I just Googled because when you were talking about Hearst and all the journalists, and then I thought, oh, we did that uh, episode on Nellie Bly, like the first female oh, investigative yeah. journalist at the Blackwell Penitentiary slash Insane Asylum Hospital. Nellie Bly and Typhoid Mary were both admitted inside at points of time. I think at the same time, wow. actually. Whoa. Yeah. So fun, fun overlap. Fun fact. Yeah. It's the crossover. Crossover event of the century, Typhoid Mary and Nellie Bly. (laughs) So she tried working as a laundry maid, but eventually returned to cooking using a fake name. Mm. So she knew what she was doing. And also, two of the people who got sick over the years were children. So, like, now there's really no defense. Like, she knew what she was doing. She abused her privilege. She put people in danger, broke her parole terms. So they put her back on Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan's Island. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's Island, which Hulk would Hogan. be an amazing dating show that I would 100% watch. <laughs> yeah. Hulk Hogan's like Island. Boy Island. <laughs> yeah. Hogan's Island. Just a bunch of wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting is that at the time she was sent back to the island, There were hundreds of other asymptomatic carriers identified all over New York. Mm. Some of them were cooks, but they were mostly men. So they, too, were banned from cooking, but some of them still cooked. But only Mary was put into quarantine on this island. So why just her? Was it about just like making people feel safe rather than making them safe? Is it because she's a woman? Yeah. I think yes. Yeah, definitely shaming her for like yeah. being like quote unquote like dirty, you know. Yep. So as of 1918, she was allowed to take day trips to the mainland. And in 1925, Dr. Alexandra Plavska came to the island for an internship. She organized a laboratory on the second floor of the chapel, and she got Mary a job as a technician. So Mary washed bottles, did recordings, and prepared glasses for pathologists. So, like, she had a little job there. But there were also several occurrences of milk delivery men spreading typhoid fever throughout the communities they served around the same years. Although typhoid, typhoid, 
is not spread through milk itself. There were several several examples of milk distributors in many locations watering their milk down with contaminated water or cleaning the glass bottles the milk was placed in with contaminated water. There were two cases in Boston. In 1899, there were 24 cases of typhoid traced to a single milkman whose wife had died of typhoid fever a week before the outbreak. Oh, boy. So Mary is, like, by no means the most reckless and deadly carrier. The only difference is that she was not symptomatic. Fuck. And it's, like, it's impossible to know how many deaths she was responsible for. I've read different estimates between... 50 to 400 people got sick and between three and 50 deaths. So it's like, because no one can really keep track of exactly who she worked for. She used fake names. So they're like, it could be, uh, we don't really know. And she was quite active until suffering a stroke in 1932. And afterwards, she was confined to the hospital. She never really recovered from that. Half of her body remained paralyzed. And on November 11th, 1938, she died of pneumonia at age 69. Oh, not nice. Not nice. I, I read this on history.com. It said, perhaps her legacy is a lesson about following medical advice, even when you don't really understand it. True that. I mean, if she had just stayed in place, uh, if she had just sheltered in place, all these people wouldn't have gotten uh, the typhoid. Yeah, like I get not like if you're patient zero for this crazy disease that like someone's like, you have it and you're like, no, I don't. I feel fine. There's not possible that I have it. I could see her being like, no, fuck you. I'm not sick. I'm not making anyone sick. Totally. She's I don't know. But then she's got to know like when people are dying, there's hard evidence of everyone (laughs) she works for dies or gets sick. But yeah, yeah it's I incredibly frustrating and like weird. I mean, yeah, it's a it's it's unfortunate that she's known as like the typhoid girl when it, she wasn't the only one who mm-hmm. was bunch spreading of it around. Yeah, a bunch of milkmen. Yeah, it's it's not like typhoid milk boys, but uh, typhoid milk boys. The night of the typhoid <laughs> milk boys <laughs> sounds like a cool punk band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then antibiotics were invented in 1928, and that. Fixed everything. <laughs> Until now. Because they, what, found penicillin? Yeah. Until these antibiotics are starting uh-huh. to say, it's a, they're getting these bacteria are getting a little smart. They're getting a little too smart for their own good. Are you guys mm-hmm. impressed that they knew it was penicillin that was the antibiotic that was found in 1920? I am impressed. I, yeah, uh, yeah. It's very impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. Impressive. All right. Well, good. Well, I just want everyone impressed with me. well that's the story of typhoid mary that's all she wrote that's all she wrote yeah interesting story i just want to do a quick goog to see if there's a a typhoid mary are there any actual photographs of her or no oh yeah yeah there's one of her in quarantine in a bed it's weird she was kind of like an attractive woman yeah not bad on the eyes all right. Um, well, if you've ever had typhoid, what, what, Maria? <laughs> well, uh, why is there a book written by Anthony Bourdain called Typhoid Mary? Did he write a book called Typhoid Mary? What? 
On, I typed Anthony in Typhoid Bourdain. Mary, and there's a book oh, yeah. written by Anthony Bourdain. What? I guess. Is it the Anthony Bourdain? Yes, because then the New York Times on the front is saying a tale of hot pursuit with the rude gusto and barbed wit that made Kitchen Confidential such a full-bodied pleasure. So Anthony Bourdain wrote a full book on Typhoid Mary. Yeah, in this this fascinating true story, Bourdain, in an homage from one cook to another, follows Mary Mary through the kitchens of New York, putting a human (gasps) face to a desperate and unintentional murderer. I would read that. Examines a time and a life with his inimitable style. This sounds great. I would for sure read this. Wow. Anthony Bourdain, a man of many talents. Does it again. Oh, my (laughs) God, wait. Wait, Anthony Bourdain has written several books? Yeah, he's a writer. I mean, he is a a writer, like an author. Yeah. No, but like I, these look like like crime books. Like he's written several crime. B- what? Okay, let's hear some titles. Anthony Bourdain, Bone in the Throat. When up and coming chef Tony Pagana settles for a less than glamorous stint at his uncle's restaurant in Manhattan's Little Italy, he unwittingly finds himself a partner in big time crime. And when the mob decides to use the kitchen for a murder, nothing Tommy learned in cooking school has prepared him for what happens next. How? He's a mystery writer. Well, that was in 1995. So that was probably he was like, so he was writing these books in the 90s. Whoa. Gone Bamboo is another one he wrote in 97. Wow. Oh my God. So he's written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Man, 13, you learn something new every day. <laughs> you sure do. If you open your eyes, you, you see a lot of new things every day. Did you guys watch the Anthony Bourdain documentary? No. Was it good? Yeah, it was great. I he's, a cool, he's a cool guy. It was sad. I loved but him. Was, yeah. yeah. Wow. So many books. This is wow. Um, all right. Well, if you've read any of uh, Anthony Bourdain's nonfiction crime novels. <laughs> if you've written a culinary mystery. <laughs> if, or, well, especially that if you've written a culinary mystery. <laughs> Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. All right. Uh, I am Allie, uh, typhoid, typhoid dairy boy seagull. And I'm Melissa Brother Stetton. <laughs> and I'm producer. You learn something new every day, Maria. Ain't that the truth? Wow. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. An Erio's original. Powered by ACAS. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.